Hello and welcome to episode 165 of What Most People Think. Now I know that the last podcast only went up on Thursday, the chat I had with the excellent Josh Howie, but there, this is going up Tuesday afternoon with any luck, because uh, there's been so much news, so much news since then. We've had the, what is it called, the Kamikaze budget? I mean, you have to admit, that's quite funny. Uh, we had the tanking of the pound, as some of you already know from social media, I nearly ended up in a fight at my Radio 4 record. I mean, I, I got hope. I think I'm the only, probably the only comic doing a Radio 4 special that could nearly get in a punch up at his record. So I will be, uh, I will be spilling the beans on what happened there shortly. Uh, but this is what most people think. You know, it's trying to gauge what is the sort of ordinary or the most common, maybe the median view in uh, in British sort of uh, political and social thinking. And you know, as the polls move at the moment. That seems to be that most people don't seem to want the Tories in power anymore. So we'll be asking when we talk about the politics what they've done, how it's played out, and what, if anything, they can do to change that. Maybe have another Prime Minister. I saw, I saw a joke earlier saying there's only 17 more Conservative Prime Ministers until Christmas. I think that joke's been done before. But um, look, the problem is, is when, you, is when you're under fire, it's very hard to change the narrative. So we'll be looking at both the two main parties. Um, just on the Radio 4 record, so let's get straight into it in case some of you are listening for that and then just going to fuck off. I mean, if I had any sense, I'd tease this, wouldn't I? I'd do a tease and then I'd talk about it at the end. But fuck it, let's get it out of the way. Um, so when you do a Radio 4 record, it's more of a, a, like a scripted thing. It's not like weekend stand-up. You know, and, and, and that may, I mean, on one level, you sort of think, is that a concession to the sort of middle class audience? Is it, well, you know, I'm not going to stand on Radio 4 and just go, up and go all right, mate, uh, nice haircut. Shame you forgot to bring it. You know, uh, look at your shirt, mate. Look look at your shirt. Uh, you know, I, I like both kinds of comedy, but uh, obviously there's a form to it. And I'd started the show. It's a, it's called Jeff Arendum. It's on on October 11th on Radio 4. I'd done about 10 to 15 minutes. It was going okay. And then a guy I'd spoke to earlier who I couldn't understand his name. I couldn't understand his name. He was like, Frankie, mate. I was like, well, I don't understand. Frankie, mate. Frankie. It turns out he was saying, my name's Frankie, mate. And I don't know if I'm supposed to name him. Hey, but it's not radio. It's my podcast. And um, and, then he st- and then he started going, tell us a joke. I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. That, by the way, is the wanker's heckle. Because there's not really any answer that you can give at that point, is there? I mean, what I should have just said was, no. <laughs> fuck off no he's like tell us a joke so I was like look, look mate you know I can, I can tell that you've come thinking this will be um, like a stand up type show and it's more of a scripted sort of radio type show so I said maybe it's not your thing and, uh, and and then he kept going tell us a joke fucking tell us a joke and he was like no it's not that f- it's not funny not funny I was like, cool. and then I said something which I it, it, look it won't be in the final edit because the problem is with this it sounds like it would be interesting radio but it's very it lasted quite a long time and it, and it would be very hard to give it context and I said and this is part of the reason it won't be in the show I went of course it's not that funny it's a Radio 4 show which I didn't mean it like that but everyone laughed at that and then I suggested uh, he leave I was trying to be reasonable I said look come to one of my tour shows that'll probably be more what you want and uh, you know I mean then no, nobody from the venue came. Or I don't know if they were even tipped off that this was happening. I think everyone was just fucking stunned. You know, it's very stunned. And I, I've got to think, at one point, I, I lost I, I lost my temper at one point. I went, you know, mate, why don't you just fuck off? And um, at that point, because I thought, well, it's going one way. This guy doesn't seem to think he's going to be challenged. I need to put it in his mind that this could change, right? He's quite big. 
uh, he's caught, but he's very drunk. And I sort of think, God, but Jeff, do you really want to be the guy that, that has a punch up at his own Radio 4 record? I mean, that just, it's not something, it's like an oxymoron. It's like, it's like crowd trouble at the Henley Regatta. And <laughs> right wing comic punches punter. People say, oh, punch it. Was he punching down? Was he? Was he punching? Was the guy shorter? They do their usual shit. And, uh, and eventually uh, he did leave the room. And um, what I was worried about at that point, having been through these sort of experiences as, as a comic over the years, is that sometimes the punters, who, let's be honest, I appreciate everybody that came to the room and I appreciate it was shocking. A little bit of backup. No one said anything. They were just like, it was like they had the popcorn out and they were like, oh, this is like the archers, but real. And um, <laughs> and then uh, as he was leaving the room, one my big fear was that was that then, then someone would get brave and, and you've got to let them leave the room at that point. Because it's like going back to a firework that hasn't gone off, right? You know, it's going to explode in your face. You know, have that moment like one of those weird 1980s adverts that used to scare the shit out of kids. And then I had to get back on with the show. And I'm thinking, God, did I? Because like, I did get a little bit aggressive. I'm like, do these people think I'm a fug now? They're going like, well, you know, I thought the kind of working class hooligan thing was a caricature. But it turns out he looked like he was ready to go. I mean, he looked like he was ready to throw hands <laughs> throw hands uh, uh, will he come back will he come back so if I was, it made the experience a little bit weird and I still had all the adrenaline as you can imagine I don't know if anyone's had a fight recently but it, it releases some next level shit into your body I mean that is the good stuff isn't it like your ears are ringing you, you feel so alive you can just hear the birds outside the venue um, and then you have to go back to reading from a script I'll just I'll just go back to reading from my laptop the, in, in terms of how the drama compares you might have seen a fight, but now it's a bloke reading something. And then I found out afterwards. So we got through the record and it made the record run over. So apologies to people for keeping you there slightly longer. And, and you know, we had, he had, had to work a bit to keep the energy going. So hopefully it sounds all right uh, in the air. I mean, no, I've, lis- I've listened back already to one bit of it. And there's some really funny stuff in there. Some great audience interaction. But then I found out after the show that he'd come back. And I thought, it's a good thing I didn't know that. Because if I'd known he'd come back, I would have thought, well, we have to have a fight now. And then the, the the danger is, what if I'd lost to the drunk guy that looked like he was standing on the deck of a ship, right? That's the risk, isn't it? I think I could probably have taken him, but what if he was just great at fighting and a guy that knew how to switch it on, or he just caught me with some drunk haymaker and then left-wing Twitter, well, they would have enjoyed that, wouldn't they? Right-wing comedian gets beat up by a guy who couldn't stand. I mean, in some ways, they might, they might have enjoyed that more than the prospect of a Labour government. All right, so that drama. I've got another drama as well uh, uh, coming up in the fuck you if you're interested in in when when live situations go wrong. But uh, let's get into some of the parish news type stuff. Domain talking point. I I spoke for a few weeks about the fact that I'm on TikTok and I get stick for being on TikTok. And David Domain, uh, our super patron, uh, always comes back to me with a load of interesting info, and and including this. He said, given the stick that you get, re TikTok, I went on to Statistica to get the age breakdown of male users. of the total users of the platform and so he looks at the ages around 18 to 24 is about 18 percent of males 25 to 34 14 percent 35 to 44 6 percent and then in my age group 50 45 to 54 3 percent so i'm out there i'm an outrider who wants to join me on tiktok i've got advice if you get on tiktok make sure in the early days of it you just look at funny stuff that you like looking at right so look at like animal clips, animals, you know, bare knuckle fighting, whatever it is you're into. Yeah, attractive ladies dancing, uh, you know, funny sketches, 
DJ. If you look at that, then what, what it becomes, right, is this thing that just throws up loads of little clips that you like. It's, that's why it's so fucking addictive. You know, there's anything you want on there, like people sort of cricket shithousery, if you're into that, people cheating at cricket. It's got anything. So one thing I've heard from other people is like, they go, oh, my TikTok's really dark. Um, you know, mine's also about stuff about kind of like bulimia. And I'm like, okay, I guess it can be a very different experience for different people. So if you want to join the 3%, the revolution happening on TikTok, I'm there under Jeff Norcott. And there's loads of stand-up clips and there will be uh, more going up there. Um, new patrons. So I mentioned in last week's episode about the prospect of a, uh, a Jeff Norcott and Friends gig. So I've, I can put some meat on the bones of that. I'm in discussion um, with the Backyard Comedy Club, the great people there that also host Comedy Unleashed, so very much people uh, that you like to deal with. We're looking at the 25th or 26th of January, so I just need to tie that down. And then uh, there will be hopefully a lead date, which will be in February. So that will be the way it will work. That will be guaranteed free entry for all board members, of course, uh, all VIPs. And then I'll have a number of free tickets, which I'll distribute accordingly between the middle and the three pound tier just to make it fair in terms of what people pay, but make sure that everyone has access. I would say, given where people are located geographically, it will probably end up being that almost anyone that wants a ticket can come, but uh, we'll just have to uh, work through it. And that'll be the same for both of those dates. We have one new VIP uh, Patreon this week, and we have got Natalie Palkovich. Natalie Palkovich. Natalie Palkovich. Sounds like a sounds like a secret agent, don't you? You know, from the old East West days. Is am I close to East East Germany? Natalie Palkovich. We meet again. This last time I saw you in Berlin, you were but a young woman. Now you are a slightly older woman. It is good to see you, Natalie Palkovich. And then he, the guy would do um, you know, some uh some really dodgy. When you have one of those phrases, like, the weather is very good in Volgograd this time of year. That's a password, but also something that I actually think it is. I mean, it's June. It's one of the nicest months. And just a big shout out, of course, to our board members. Uh, we will be having a board meeting again uh, very soon. We're getting a really nice platter in, and there's a deli around the corner. And I say deli, I mean, it'll be a beige buffet. I mean, did you think, is that a good idea for a business? There's so many people in this country that love a buffet. Oh, I fucking love a beige buffet. When I see a buffet, I do not want to see it go between more than about three shades of one colour. I want the samosas, the onion bhajis, the sausages. I mean, if you think these are all the same colour, the sausage rolls, even the salad. I want the fucking salad to be more or less orange. Okay, so before we get into the politics, let's do a quick thank you uh, and a fuck you. Um, thank you to having a bath. Hmm? People are so averse to them, aren't they? But this weird anti-bath movement. And I know that, obviously, for the planet, you know. Sorry, Greta. Yeah, I do like the odd bath. But there's a people that are like, just, just like, you know, you're just sitting in your own shit. You're, just sitting, you're not sitting in your own shit, are you? I mean, you've been walking around in that shit on your skin, but suddenly the idea that that shit might just remove itself from your skin and be in the water, that is, is it's nice, isn't it? Or maybe it's my age, you know, like 45, this time of year. We will be talking later in the show, by the way, a bit of men's mental health about the challenges uh, posed by this time of year and uh, the lack of heat and fucking light and all that stuff. Just have a bath, you know? Have a bath, and uh, I don't know why people are. It just, it just feel good after a bath, don't you? Some people talk about. I mean, one thing that the mistake that people have in the bath, right, is you can overdo it. So you go, I'm gonna get a glass of wine and sit in the bath. Women do all this shit, don't they? I don't, and then they go, oh, I just felt a bit lightheaded. I had to get out. Of course you did. I mean, you're drinking alcohol while you're sitting in a fucking like you know 45 degrees Celsius. No, that wouldn't be that hot, would it? Maybe 38 degrees Celsius bath or you get a cup of tea and then drinking the tea is a bit of a pain in the ass isn't it you start to resent 
the tea or you get a snack or you set, set up the laptop at the end. I mean, you know, let's be honest, like, Bath, it doesn't need to be some... I, I mean, I don't know how kind of um, zen you've got to be to sit in a bath for like half an hour. I just kept topping it up, you know. Maybe you're just fucking drunk. Do you know what I mean? Just hammered, lost track of time. I mean, maybe the thing you should really do in a bath is like magic mushrooms. <laughs> Not an actual suggestion. Um, the fuck you. So we had another punter situation. I did um, the Leeds Festival on Saturday. It was a really good festival, man. Really well organised, really professional, the way that the people went about organising it. And I was part of a panel chat. Oh, first up, so when I arrived in Leeds, right, so it's part of a panel chat about, you know, what you can or can't say in comedy, or, you know, this debate um, that, that rages on. Uh, when I got to Leeds, I mean, because where I live, the train to Leeds doesn't take that long. So when I got to Leeds, fucking Leeds, right, just a culture shock, because I was on the train, I was working the whole way, so I didn't really look up, and I was just off the train, I was like, fuck, I'm in Leeds. And then I was standing there, and it was just like, you know, there was the girls going out for their night out, and it's fair to say that ladies in the north, on a night out, you know what I mean, they like to get dressed, I like to put on dress, you know what I mean, I like to put on a fucking dress, and not these fucking London birds, you know, putting on jeans and a fucking alternate, so you put on a fucking dress, love, and um, I got outside the station, and there was a group of these girls, and then as I was crossing the road, this guy, this guy, just this, this... <laughs> What do we say now? Tramp, homeless person, drunk, I don't know. It was all three of those. And he just walks across the road. You know like that scene in Bruce Almighty where Jim Carrey just stops the traffic because he thinks he's God? This was like a drunk version of that. And then this bus was coming along and it looked like it was going to total him. And everyone was... Like, I do think the women are probably live longer because they allow noises out of their body when they see stuff that scares them. <gasps> and I was just keeping it all inside thinking that'll be another hernia. And then... Um, and then eventually the the bus just swerved past him. And the guy carried on walking, went, It's my fucking road. It's my fucking road. I went, It fucking ain't, mate. And I did actually say it out loud to him. It's, always, people always think he was being wise after the event, uh, which got a little chuckle. Uh, but the girls were like, just They got the other side and they were having to fan themselves. I have to reapply my fucking makeup. Do you know what I mean? I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm fucking sweating, Laura. Okay, uh, let's leave Laura to it and let's talk about uh, the big politics and the shit show around the Tories this week. Okay, we do have to dial back a bit uh, here to last Friday. So we had the mini budget. There was nothing mini about it at all. It's just a mini budget, guys. Just a mini. It's like, you know, when, you're, uh, when your boss calls you in, just a short meeting. You go, why have they said short? Why have they said it's not going to be short? So let's, let's deal with the good stuff that I think was in the budget first. I think corporation tax staying at 19%. That was madness. And what's really mad is that we spent so long allowing the business community to think, oh, we're going to hike it by like 5%. Oh, right, what, post-Brexit, post-pandemic? Yeah, we're just going to say... Don't invest here for a while just to increase our tax take because we, we haven't been doing enough of that lately. And, and the, the issue is, is like, is like, that was a mad, mad thing to do. Also, people forget we've got Ireland, right? Ireland, you know, still in the EU, right next to us. The Irish, you know, people are, oh, the Irish, you know, happy-go-lucky, they're very liberal, very left-wing. I, I don't know. I don't know. Their, their corporation tax is, what is it, 13, 16%. I think it's 16%. So we have a serious competitor just over the channel there, uh, the Irish Sea, um, in, in Dublin in particular, it's a place that people are going to want to live or work. You know, come to Ireland, you know, 16, you sa- you save yourself, you know, 3% there if you get yourself over to Dublin. You know, it's a lovely city. I don't know where the fuck is that accent gone. It became Terry Wogan towards the end. Um, so, and also, and also, you know, income tax, national insurance, right? National insurance. So we've spoken about the shit show around this before 
which was originally it wasn't a progressive tax. Then the Tories tweeted it, it became one. Labour still opposed it. The Tories were going to still implement it. And then now they've taken it back. So, I mean, if you look at those two policies together and you think about the problems the Tories currently have, it's getting all the bad press for doing the wrong stuff and getting none of the credit for the doing the right stuff. This has happened time and time again. Um, income tax. Well, look, we do, you know, we do have a high tax burden. I might have cut VAT if you wanted to do something that would be immediately deflationary, a 2.5% off VAT. I mean, it is still an emergency rate, but they took a penny off income tax because they were hoping that that was what was going to get them the headlines. And it might have done in the right wing press, you know, cheers, quasi, a penny back, thanks. Or, oh, you know, and the sun will do a thing of what that will buy you. Seven more pints or another curry or a £9.50 holiday with the sun. And then, then there was the banker's bonus, right? Now, firstly, so firstly, I don't think this is a good idea at this point in time to remove it. But whether or not you think it's right, just ask yourself the question that whatever industry you work in, if you were generating profits, right, if you were kicking ass and doing really well, would you accept caps in your industry? Would you accept a limit on what you could earn if you were in a commission-based industry? I mean, ask yourself that. I mean, obviously, banking is slightly different. People might say that, well, it was bankers that caused the credit crunch uh, by by kind of speculating and taking risks. I mean, the main problem with that was more about mortgages being awarded uh, to people that couldn't afford them. That was where it happened at source level. But um, look, the other issue is, is is losing bankers. I mean, after the Brexit vote, people said, we're going to lose all our uh, bankers, these people that the liberal left suddenly really loved. <laughs> well, but the bankers are going. The bankers are going to Frankfurt and Paris. They go, well, I mean, if you care about that, then, then maybe we do have to do something to keep them here. But when everyone's skint, I think it's fair to say that uh, politically there's at least going to be a backlash. Now, maybe maybe the Tories have factored all of this in, in the grand plan, all of the reactions, but you've got to know that that's going to be provocative. But we kind of knew it was going to happen at least. But one thing we didn't know was going to happen was the abolition of the 45p rate, which is weird because it was under no uh, pressure or even expectation. This is the thing. A lot of people say, well, these are conservative policies. But if you're out of government, you know, we're now, now back to the argument that, that was sometimes made towards Corbyn, you know, when he was in charge of Labour. You can't do anything if you're out of government. And you sort of think, well, the, the 45p tax rate, symbolically, it was like I saw in the press the other day, you know, that celebrity couple, Michelle Keegan and Mark Wright, um, they just did a thing of going, look at our fucking great house. <laughs> look at our massive, look, we've got, basically got a spa in our house. It's It's massive. Look at that. And you're going, is this the right time to be doing that when people are, you know, people on decent wages are going, yeah, we're, we're, having, a, we're having to take a lodger. But, we, you know, congratulations on the spa. And then, then this argument emerges from a lot of conservatives, really, that is the, well, it must be a good budget because it pisses off all the right people. <laughs> Look at that. It's pissed off all the right, it's pissed off Owen Jones. It must be good. And, and, and you know, Lefties do this too. It's it's a common thing in the world of, of... And this is broader than social media. It's just a sentiment, isn't it? Well, if it pisses off them, it must be all right. And lefties do it too. You know, they go, well, if uh, if Piers Morgan's angry, <laughs> it must be all right. Yeah, but Piers Morgan's angry about a policy of, I don't know, fucking like boob jobs for nine-year-olds. You're going to leave that boob job? Apologies. I mean, look, I've just... Uh, cosmetic surgery for four-year-olds. Look, <laughs> you're digging, Jeff. Just move on. Um, but it turns out, some of the people that it's also pissed off is uh, international money lending markets, right? Is that we? Yeah, pissing off them. Yeah, so we're going to pay more for borrowing money. And and we've now seen that there's a poll which returns a 17 point lead for later. So, oh, it's pissed off the electorate, and we must be doing something right. 
Conservatism's back. And what about the sound money element of conservatism? I mean, Rishi does seem like the last guy, you know, standing that was willing to say, well, at some point, all this has got to be paid for. But look, we do have to reduce the tax burden. But doing it all in one and doing it right now, I don't know, maybe there's some logic on this. Maybe someone wants to write me an email from conservative head office or what most people think, UK at gmail.com. You know, maybe they're going, we'll get the pain out of the way, but then, you know, by 2024, the economy will be growing. Everyone will go, cheers, quasi. Cheers, Liz. Um, but I don't know, man. I remember, you know, in 1992 when the exchange rate mechanism thing happened, interest interest rates went up to 14%. Inflation was, a, you know, a near double digits or near as damn it. And people just remembered that for a really long time. If you make people scared, I mean, it's a similar thing with COVID, right? If you scare the shit out of people, it will stay there for a long time. And that's why you still see people wearing fucking face masks, walking their dog in the park, right? They haven't lost the fear. And what, you know, when Labour eventually won in 97, the economy was doing all right. Conservatives had absolutely got inflation under control and the economy had been growing for a while and Labour come in, do you know what I mean? Labour come in, it was like, you know when you're, you know when you're like some, you stay at someone's house and they've hoovered for you, they've changed the beds and all that stuff, they've emptied the bins, Labour just come in and we're just like, fuck it, all right, put your feet up, boys, there is money to spend. And look, thank fuck that fuel and gas are coming down because, you know, how people, people have said, how are people going to cope when their fuel bill doubles? How are they going to cope when their mortgage and fuel bills doubles? You know, I don't know, maybe there's a plan here that the Tories could perhaps... They could perhaps put some spin on it and say, well, uh, say to the youth, you know, get on TikTok and go, yeah, we're the toys, man. We're deliberately trying to crash the housing market. So you people, some young man, next man ting, getting on the property ting. Yes, yes. Maybe that you're just that's how they should sell it. Go, yes, brah. You can be getting bear houses because they won't cost anything. Because, uh, you know, that's the likely cycle, isn't it? That people kind of go, you know, especially people with second properties, they'll go, oh, fuck, you know what I mean? Like, if, if people are renting, and I know at this point people go, Jeff, I've got no time for the landlord, because all landlords are arseholes. They see landlords in this sort of Dickensian way. Um, you know, that people might say, well, I won't earn any money rental, um, my mortgage is doubled, I'll just sell it. And if enough people do that, the price of property might come down. And maybe that's what needs to happen. But at least get the political capital for doing that, you know what I mean? Just uh, Liz and Quasi should release a grime track about crashing the crashing the property market. We're crashing that man like Ting. Them crashing that out of that thing. We're crashing the property market. We <laughs> if it starts, yeah, we're gonna start it. Interest rates inspire ya. Get a two <laughs> get a two bed semi for a fiver. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Labour eventually win, not by having an ideology, not really by solving any of their internal squabbles or divisions. They just they just hang in there, you know, like a like a test match innings where you know when a batsman just carries their bat and you go, but they didn't play any fucking shots. You know, Labour just be there at the end. You know, the whole team will be like one seventy all out. They'll be thirty six not out. They'll get a round of applause, but everyone goes, that was didn't really do anything. But, why, you know, maybe why should they? Maybe I've been wrong on a lot of things. You know, I've thought that Labour really have to tell us who they are, but maybe the Tories, they've just realised that the Tories are in some sort of like, uh, sort of like in sort of self-immolation mode. I mean, I said it in my tour show, like this Brewster's Millions thing, like they've somewhere, the real thing that people are saying about all this um, controversy that maybe they knew that the pound was shorting. Maybe they've shorted the Conservative Party. Maybe they've put a bet on not being in office because if they have, they're going, they're going about it the right way. And then, of course... We have the, uh, the what happens to the pound. So, uh, you know, straight after the mini budget, the pound crashes quite significantly against the dollar. I think it lost about five cents. 
And the, but then on Monday, everyone was waiting for the Asian markets to open. I say everyone, do you know what I mean? Fucking boring pricks like me. And then and it went down to like 1.04. And and what we had throughout the rest of the day was a running commentary on the pound. But it's gone down. And and then that that's the weird thing. When the pound hits a level, that's the news story for a while. But what happened was it recovered quite a lot during the day. And you think, well, that's the point about a currency market is it goes up and down during the day. Again, cricket analogy. Let's just deal with the score at stumps, you know? Because the pound actually rallied on Monday. And I think the tr- if you want to talk, there's plenty to be concerned about uh, is the, the long-term trend of the pound. The fact that not to, to, not long ago, and this is post-Brexit, it was above £1.30. Uh, $1. And, then, you know, I mean, the, the most, I mean, obviously this feeds through in terms of inflation and, and fuel prices. But the, the, the immediate thing is for anyone going on, on holiday in the States, you go, okay, babe, uh, okay, babe, I've had a look at it. We can still go on holiday to the states but it will be in utah and we're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to sell the house to do it so let's talk about labor they've been having their conference this week uh up in liverpool i think and um you know it started with a bit of a hoo-ha because keir starmer had said in advance we're gonna sing god save the king all right you know me Massive monarchist, always loved the monarchy. What about when you still weren't when you were 40, 20 years ago? Like a proper act. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm a man of principle and conviction. And, uh, you know, I just change them whenever whenever I need to. That's my conviction. Is that, you know, I change my principles. And, uh, and, and so he put this out there. This is another attempt to take on the kind of anti-British left within the Labour Party, which is not a bad thing to do. You know, and then um, Jeremy Corbyn had an interview. Jeremy Corbyn! Um, I, I hated um, what was his name? The fucking speaker, John Burke. I, I hated him, but the way that he said Jeremy Corbyn's name was how a lot of the country felt at the time. Jeremy Corbyn, go on, fucking get on with it, mate. And um, and then so Corbyn said it was odd, and a lot of Labour vote. I mean, again, social media doesn't really matter, but saying oh we're we're so we're a fascist party now, are we? We're a fascist party. Yeah, I don't know if you know much about fascism. They're not that big on having monarchs, monarchs, but um. So he sings it, right? And then it's a bit of a gamble. Uh, it's not really under any pressure to do that. It's not something they've ever done before. But it's a gamble. And the end game is to suggest that Labour has changed, right? And, and it was. There was no heckling or stuff like that. But you think, how many people really heard? I mean, it was there was a little bit of it on BBC News. Obviously, it was a bigger deal on social media, but that doesn't really count. And, and you know... I suppose the headline that Labour sing national anthem and nobody throws shit at the stage sort of tells its own story. You go, it's almost a, a sort of inadvertent concession of what exists within Labour. Like, you know that large number of nutters that hate us within our own party and hate Britain? Well, today they didn't kick off. So I just, I mean, I suppose the potential fallout was that some kid called Caleb bum rushes the stage and goes, fuck Charles, he's a pedo. Um, <laughs> but the Labour Party does seem less nutty now you know certainly the front bench this is always my fear about and what's going on in and around them when they get in power those levers will all move but right now Starmo's managed to hold together a sort of a sense that they are less nutty than they are they have been and they've gone for renationalization with you know the trains which is a hugely popular idea i mean it's interesting that you know given the real press at the moment is about energy markets but I've renationalisation of the trains is so popular among Tory voters. Do you know what I mean? It's, this is this is almost a no-brainer. I mean, I do think that um, you know when you actually look at the pie chart, what comes out of train companies in, in genuine profit, it's not actually that much. But I understand the sentiment. Um, 
you know, just saying to people that have made money, you know, there's a feeling like, fuck you lot, uh, you don't get to play those that big train track anymore, fuck you. Um, but I suppose it's a bit like a consolidation loan, isn't it? Renationalising. You go, well, you know, all right, we've managed that. You go, in a couple of years, that'll come around again. We'll have to do something else. But for now, it feels like we've solved the problem. And Labour said that they'd abolish the 45p tax rate. And and I don't know, maybe there's some kind of long game shit with the toys where they think, well, this will make them seem unfriendly to business. You know, Labour taxing Britain. and But a lot of people just think, no, they're taxing rich Britain. So I don't really know how this plays out. Um... But, that, you know, even among people on high incomes, there's a lot of people actually that don't want their incomes cut currently because they can see the sort of financial issues the country's under and they just want to be able to see their GP within two weeks. But um, but I suppose what it does do is it means that, you know, when Labour have, in this kind of totally just disingenuous way, talks about, you know, 17 tax rises by the toys. Um, they've been talking like they're the party of low taxes. So it sort of reminds us that they... Uh, you know, like given a chance, they would probably. I mean, they would. They would either keep tax at its current level or pull it up, right? They're not going. to... I mean, the Tories have put income tax. Oh, well, this is interesting. Now you start to think about it. The Tories have taken a penny off income tax. Was it back down to nineteen p? So would Labour feel that they could do that any more with the things that they'd want to do in government? No. So maybe one of the things here is that it stops Labour offering a a tax cut on basic income tax at the next election. It means that they would also have to. Hey, maybe Liz and Quasi aren't that daft after all. But the problem is, is the optics of it all. It's played out uh, incredibly badly. And that is one of the um, the issues with the Tories. I mean, if you look at the, Let's just remind ourselves of the Tories' timeline from last year. They were ahead in the polls in October. Reasonable lead. Owen Patterson, Matt Hancock, Partygate, the appointment of Chris Pincher, the appointment of a new leader who is, you know, not as popular with the public as the previous one, although I understand why Boris went... So there's been a real succession of the Tories just kind of tearing themselves apart and Labour not even having to do radical things. I mean, like renationalising the trains at this point isn't that radical. The truly radical move would have been energy, but uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. So I guess the question at this point is, is that with Labour with a 17-point lead in a YouGov poll, whether the Tories are now... <laughs> I mean, some people just think the Tories are thinking, fuck it, we're going to lose... Let's just let's just load the, the decks in favour of capitalism a bit. So if Labour want to roll back some of it, they won't be able to roll back all of it. And I tell you, you know, no one likes to see the economic markets uh, in freefall. But I tell you, two people that have enjoyed the last week is uh, Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak. Eh? They've been sitting there. Boris went, remember the old good old days? <laughs> Rishi should be sitting there. See, this is what happens when people don't do the homework. Okay, let's just welcome uh, a couple more patrons this week. We have got two very classy-sounding names here. Welcome to the Patreon community. Stephen Glover. Stephen Glover. It's Stephen Glover. Stephen Glover. Stephen Glover. Why does your name sound like it should have an associates after it? Stephen Glover and Associates. Legal firm. Just out there in... Uh, where would you be? A legal firm in Marlow. <laughs> yeah. Head of a legal firm in Marlow. Stephen Glover and Associates. I know it, it is actually Stephen. You know one of those guys like, yeah, you actually got through to the guy. Yeah, Stephen Glover. So, no, no, I, you know, I, sometimes I sit out with the guys and I, I answer the phones, you know, because sometimes you've got to dip down a bit, haven't you? You know, just uh, spend a bit of time in the trenches with the rank and file. But anyway, fuck it. I'm just going to hand you on to an assistant now. I'm going to play golf. Stephen Glover. And then we've got Duncan Hembry. Duncan Hembry. It's the Glover and Hembry. Is, he, is, is an associate partnership in a law firm? The Hembrys. Oh, you know who the Hembrys would be? 
It would be your uh, your sort of mum and dad's aspirational friends. Every mum and dad have them. Where the friends they've got that are cut above, and when they tell you they're going to see them, you're like, yeah, you, you're so, you're kissing. You know, when you see your own parents kissing ass, and you lose a bit of respect for them. They're going, yeah, we're going to see the Hembrys at the weekend. Why are you talking in that voice, mum? No, it's just the Hembrys. Duncan, Duncan Hembry, just just such a lovely man, you know. And, and Patricia Hembry, they're just they're just they're good people. The Hembrys, they are good people. They're just from enough of a social strata above us that makes us think we could have that shit too. <laughs> uh, so welcome both of you guys the Hembrys and the Glovers yo if you had the Hembrys and the Glovers over it'd be like right fucking the, your mum would be stressing Gee, I want no stains on that cutlery uh, we're going to be getting out the doilies <laughs> the placemats uh, just to hype a couple of things uh, this podcast obviously please remember, um, rec- recommend it recommend it well, you know, one thing I found out fucking hell I almost forgot so um, I got some new stats about the podcast and the amount of different countries this is listened listen to it's I think it's on like a hundred countries, which and I'll admit in some countries there is just one. I'm talking to you, Kazakhstan. Yixamesh. Well, I'll now be banned for a lazy Borat joke. But um, but yeah, it was incredible to see. All, I mean, look, a lot of them I'm thinking are British expats living around the world. So if, if you're interested, the podcast, the second biggest markets for the podcast are the US uh, and Australia. So pound for pound, it, it, they're both basically both the same. Uh, but I'm guessing in in Australia it's going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of Brits have moved out there, you know, moved out there in the nineties when the pound was doing well. We'd never go back. We just I said, didn't I? I said to Lynn, we'd never go back. Why would you go back? The weather's nice. All you the people are nice. Uh, you know, they do that shit. You ever see that for that program, A Place in the Sun? Um, I remember there was a while where they kept on doing these shows where they go, they take the people to Australia and look at a new life, and then they look at videos of all their um, relatives going, please don't go, please don't go, leave us, we'll never see the grandkids grow up. And they take it all on board and go, fuck that, we want to do some barbecues. Um, so, yeah, please do email in what most people think UK at gmail.com. If you're in one of these territories out there, I think we had Saudi Arabia. Uh, we had some really interesting places. So it was, it was really nice to know that, you know, people are listening in different parts of the world. So do email in and tell me where that is. Uh, if you want to hear Jeff doing a bit more podcast content, Late Night Mash, if you look for Late Night Mash podcast, it's me and Olga Cock, me, the grumpy gammon, her, the snowflakey millennial. And uh, we're talking about big issues of the day. And uh, obviously, you know, uh, get on the TikTok and also look at the Comedy Unleashed tour. I've got dates coming up there. Another one I did one in Portsmouth recently. That was good fun. I think there's one in Stourbridge. And then there might be another one later in November. But do have a look. They've got great comics on. A lot of friends of the show, Tony Law, uh, Leo Kirst, Nick Dixon, people like that. Um, So do check those out. All right, let's talk a little bit about the old men's mental health. So we haven't done men's mental health for a while. I thought this bit of the year would be a good time to do it. You know, it's an interesting time of the year, isn't it? Less heat, less light. I mean, fuck you, the autumn crowd, by the way. Always, every year, an additional, an unprecedented second fuck you this week to autumn lovers. Every year, autumn comes around, they go, it's just my season, autumn. Do you know the leaves, the colour of the leaves on the trees, the sunsets? They go, what about the... The gradual death of summer. What about the fact that I feel colder and more tired than I do? It's autumn shit. Autumn shit. Because winter, you know, you know, you stand with winter, right? Okay. And actually, the days start getting longer from quite early on in in winter. You know, there's that bit at the end of January where you want to kill yourself. But yeah, 
But this bit of the year, I don't know if you've been feeling the same, is that you just you go to bed a bit earlier, you've got less reason to get up, you're hitting snooze more, you look around at the news, pound crashing, everything costs more, fuel bills going up, there's a war. And, you know, I'm not saying it's the worst time in history, but if you look, you know, from all the tumult of Brexit, the pandemic, it's just been a while since we've had like a shitty... No, or just a benevolent little period of news. I'll tell you when it was last all right. It was around last autumn. Do you remember that? After Freedom Day, you know, Boris gave us back our freedom. Fucking hell, he's riding the crest of a wave there, wasn't he? We were the fastest growing economy in the G7. People got short memories, haven't they? The vaccine rollout. That had gone quite well. Although everyone on the left was like, well, that was the NHS. Well, of course, you know, if they'd fucked it up, they'd have gone, well, that was Boris. So, you know, things were going okay. We had a bit of faith. In the future, ah, oh, those were the days. Autumn twenty twenty one. That was like our. That was like our version of the Roaring Twenties when <laughs> we were doing the fucking Charleston because we were allowed back in pubs. You know what I mean? We're just all out there listening to jazz, um, and and you know, the kids now will not know a period of light news. I was talk, talking to my wife the other day about that period in two thousand and seven when uh, Madeline McCann went missing, and 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 that was like the story for the whole summer. And of course, Iraq was going on, but that had been going on a while. So that was it. It was either Iraq or Madeleine McCann. And you think, God, my God, this is just pre-credit crunch. What, in a way, a liberty that was as a society to just be able to focus all that attention on one missing girl. Obviously tragic that it was. You know, that's what you want. You want to get back to a point of fucking celebrity hoo-hahs. That's what you want. You want you want to get back to a point where there's kind of like a cocaine. You know when a society is doing all right is you'll see the words hooker and cocaine shame on the front of the newspaper. That's a sign of a, a healthy society. So, you know, it all drags down on you. And if you've been feeling like, you know, a bit run down recently, you're thinking, oh, I feel a bit aggy. Why is that? Maybe it's that. Maybe it's the news. Maybe it's the time of year. And the question is, what do you do to manage it, right? If you get a bit of free time, what do you do? Do you rest or run? Rest or run. I mean, this is how these things become slogans, don't it? They go, hey, you heard the new rest or run theory? Um... Because, yeah, what do you do? If you've got a bit of time, do you, you're tired. What's going to make you feel better? It's, sometimes it's a hard one to work out, you know? You're eating better. You feel, oh, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to avoid drinking or getting wasted. And then all that stuff's good. But then you go, well, I've just become a machine, really, that exists to stay at a level. And the level that I'm staying at isn't, like, deliriously happy. It's just not <laughs> It's not slumping. And and that's what I wonder about, you know, getting obviously, you know, drinking and getting wasted all the time is, is is not a good idea. But the reason why most cultures have a version of it in some way is that it perhaps I think it's just a punctuation point, isn't it? Where you just feel differently for a while and you have the hangover, I don't know, death and rebirth, something like that. I mean, obviously if you if drink and substance problems are an issue, this is a, a separate conversation. But if you're someone that occasionally does that, I, I sometimes I mean I haven't this year I've been as abstemious as, as I've ever been. And uh, ask me if I'm any happier for it. Ask, no, I'm not. I think if anything, my big regret of this summer is I didn't get drunk enough. Like looking back, I'm, it's gone now, isn't it? You can't do anything about that. All I can really do is try and rectify that in the winter. Really get steaming, steaming for 2022 winter. And then I think, you know, like if you need all that stuff, right? And I, I, I'm guilty of this, you know, I'm, I'm eating better. Not guilty of it, but like, you know, just trying to address all the things to stay on the level. Is it, is it like having needing a weird kink just to get a boner? You know, when someone says to you, like, you know, uh, yeah, no, no, I've just got this kink and I'm, you know, I'm not ashamed of it. Is that I just have to slam my dick in a car door 20 times and then watch an old carry on film and then eat a jam sandwich. And that way I can get an erection. You go, I really would focus on why you feel that way rather than the fact that that works. 
<laughs> I'd say, uh, forget rest or run. I'd go to a fucking therapist. Um, and that's the point, is you just become a machine to just tick over. That is, that's the point. And, and I suppose the reason I'm mentioning this is only because I just drag everything from my own experience and believing that I do sit roughly in the centre ground of most experiences of particularly blokes in the UK is that have you been having a couple more rows, you know, been a bit aggy with the missus and the kids, you know, hitting snooze on the alarm, less motivation. We just say, give yourself a little bit of a break. Go, yeah, it's colder, right? It's darker and the news is bad. And, you know, why would you not be have one eye on the economic future and feel worried? You might not be thinking about that in the front of your head, but it just it just ticks away, doesn't it, in the back? So give yourself a break. Get on, get on the smash. No, I'm not saying get on the smash, but just say, you know, if you've got all this stuff that you do just to stay liberal, ask yourself, have you become the pervert with the kink? You know, and could you afford to just loosen up things a little bit and just do something because you enjoy it? And that might not be, you know, like getting off your face, but it might be, you know, just fucking two hours watching some shit on telly and eating free Kit Kats. <laughs> just do what you want sometimes. I'm just, I'm going to get fat, basically. I think that's what's going to happen this winter. All right, we've got one letter this week, and this is a good one. Um, and I think this is, could be a new thing for the podcast, is this is a low, right? Um, now, if you remember, I've had a couple of experiences since I've been doing this podcast in hotel rooms, pretty grim ones. We, of course, uh, long-term listeners will remember the UHT gate where I, I because I didn't have, I was hungover, I got back to the hotel after a gig, there was nothing to eat. And I decanted, and that is the word, I decanted uh, 16 um, small tubs of UHT milk into uh, a, a mug just so I could have a nice mug of UHT shitty milk before bed. And that was, I think, in an Ibis. No, it was a Travelodge. Worse than that, it was a Travelodge. And I stole the milk from the reception. I mean, it was really bleak. But there was another one which in some ways was pretty bad. I remember I was doing a tour show in Carlisle. I think that was also an Ibis. And um, I, <laughs> I, 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 I got a Muller yogurt from the local Tesco Express and I got back to the room and I, I, there was no spoon. Uh, they only had those fucking wooden things that you stir stuff with. So I was, um, <laughs> I was sort of. First, I think I tried, tried to fashion the uh, the lid into a, a sort of makeshift spoon. I think in the end, I might have used a car key. Um, and I just, I just in both situations, you sort of get an out of body experience where you see yourself sitting on the edge of a hotel a long way away, a budget hotel, living like that. It's very sad. So along those lines. We've got one here from uh, Dave. So Dave says, I'm currently working in Boston, US for a couple of weeks. Uh, restaurants here are mega expensive. So tight-fisted northerner that I am, I'm trying to save money by making some meals in hotel room. For reasons that aren't entirely clear to me anymore, I bought these green beans, C4 tour. He's got some green beans. Along with some salad for tonight's tea. I mean, one, one, on, on the one hand, you've got northern points for calling it tea, but you're having the salad for tea. So you, you, you've changed. Dave, uh, I thought I might try cooking them by placing them in this lukewarm water for a couple of minutes. That is so sad because at least the stuff I was eating was fun. I mean, UHT milk aside, to make things even more tragic, I warmed up water in coffee machine. It reminded me of your hotel incident with little sachets of milk. Uh, I sent this picture to my wife on WhatsApp thinking she'd be impressed by my resourcefulness. She simply replied, twat. <laughs> So I think if you get two letters published in Times, you're also entitled to a Times obituary. 
Obituary. If you read out this letter, it would be my second. So does that mean I'll get a mo- uh, what most people think obituary when the moment comes? Well, I didn't know that about the Times, but yes, absolutely. And it means we, we share the stories, right? Just share and be cleansed. We, there can be no growth without disclosure. And there must have been a point. There must have been a point. Oh, my God, please tell me that you just left that there for the cleaner. Because I would love the idea of that cleaner just trying to to work out what the fuck it I I think he was trying to grow some fucking beans. This fucking English guys are so fucking excited. I mean, I prefer I walked in on the masturbating rather than some freak trying to grow beans. Okay, that is pretty much the uh, podcast for this week. We've got a couple of new reviews here. Uh, and this was, uh, so if you leave five-star reviews, I will read them out. This is from Fat Face Penguin. Big and top banter. Makes me laugh. Jeff, you spell my name with a J, despite it being, I mean, I, I, I will continue to read it. Uh, nails it every time, even if he is a bit of a lefty these days, and he might be running a pyramid scheme with his tiered membership thing going on. Uh, lefty, I mean, this is the point, is it? Maybe, yeah, I do get that accusation. I still get people calling me a fascist and a right-wing Nazi online, and I get people calling me a lefty. But one thing that has happened, you have to say, is that the Overton window, particularly politically, has moved a bit left. The Tories are doing more left-wing stuff, and this is this podcast is what most people think. Um, this uh, is from Apex. Apex, recommended to me by our left-wing leaning neighbours. A mixture of solo and guest episodes change things up nicely. I'm partial to the solo ones as his observations and opinions. Remember, people, his opinions are often laugh out loud funny. Many a time have I received odd looks from others on public transport when I've allowed myself a hearty chuckle at some of his banter. Also, no ads. Thank you so much. I wish you'd said your name there because I could give you a name chain, but I guess I've already read your name out. And uh, look, that's why, that's why I'm trying to bolster the Patreon benefits and, you know, like the gigs, live gigs. And of course, like in January, February, when it's colder and stuff like that, we will have uh, an online gig and stuff like that. So listen, man, uh, just keep, if you're going to the States, now is not the time to change up your pounds. Now, the time for that would have been two months ago. I'd say, Fucking sit tight, and you might be uh, upgrade. You, you might be able to upgrade your holiday from a Utah to a Wisconsin. Oh,